But today I'm again teaching this series, The Rise of Sons, and I've been teaching it since October 23rd, so however many weeks that is. And I want to begin today with the same words that I began this series with on that first day on October 23rd. And the words were these. The world is changing generation to generation. There is an exponential increase of selfishness, arrogance, complacency, and defiance with each successive generation. How does this impact the kingdom of God? What effect does the falling away of each generation have on the ownership of the earth? Does it matter? Does God have a plan for any of this? Does He have an answer for these successive generations that seem to get further? They have a knowledge of God, but not a relationship with God. Does He have a plan? The plan that the Father has to erase an idea of familiarity and replace it with not just the concept, but the life found in relationship, the plan that He has is sonship. Whether male or female, when I use the term sonship, that, is a, that term in and of itself is gender neutral. If you're a man, you can call yourself a son. If you're a woman, you can call yourself a daughter today. But when I say sons, I'm talking about sons and daughters today. When I say sonship, I'm talking about both sons and daughters. So what is his plan? What is God's plan to correct what has been wrong for so long? Here's a challenge with this. Here's a challenge. Part of the challenge is that we've been rooted in bad teaching or short teaching. Now, I'm not talking about in terms of length. You know, one thing that we don't lack in this house is long teaching. <laughs> what we might lack is short teaching. I'm going to try to meet in the middle this morning. But short teaching, I mean the kind of teaching that comes up short of the whole truth. So what the church world has been engaged in is this gathering together on Sunday mornings in buildings and places all around the world. And when we gather in these places, we've been given these teachings that bring us to the precipice of sonship, but then abandon us there. The church has been guilty for eons of times of telling us what is capable but never leading us into the capabilities. Telling us what is possible. But there have been few that have been willing to lead us into those possibilities. Reminding us of what it is to see beyond we are, where we are, but never been willing to take the risks to begin the journey that will get us into those places where we've never been before. I've always been one since the time I came to Christ at 19 years old, or 20, when I came to Christ at 1985, at 20 years old, when I met Him for the first time, when I was, became aware there's more to living than Bartles and James. For those of you that know what that is. 
There's more to living than whatever, whatever. And when I was introduced to Christ, Christ was also introduced to me. And when that preacher stood up that Sunday morning in that church in Houston, Texas, and he preached that message, will the real Jesus Christ please stand up? I could not tell you one sentence about the message that he preached, but I've never forgotten the title. Because as soon as he said, will the real Jesus Christ please stand up, that was a question I had in my heart. If he's really there, let me see. And I took a risk. And I gave my heart to the Father and I said, you know what? I don't know that I've ever seen the real Jesus Christ. I've seen a lot of Jesus Christs. I've seen a lot of godliness. But I don't know that I've ever seen real godliness. I don't know that I've ever seen real relationships. So if it's really possible, I'm willing to take the risk and find out if there's some things I haven't yet known. And I stepped in. And I stepped in wholeheartedly and I never looked back. The challenge with that is as I stepped into this relationship, as I stepped into this hunger, this passion, this desire, I want to know Him. There's, there's so much about Him I don't understand and I wish that I did. And oh, there was something just burning in me to know God. How many can relate to what I'm talking about? I was on fire to know Him. I want to know Him, but I didn't know what my first step should be. Do I call somebody? Do I go to a meeting? Do I do this? Well, the church was real quick to rise up and, and begin to draw the lines and tell me what I should do and shouldn't do. You really want to know God? This is how you do it. You've heard me tell the story before. You really want to know God? You don't do this. You really want to know God? You do, you do this. And I've told you, at that point in my life when I got saved, the movie had just come out called Silverado. Man, I was determined, but it was rated R. Then and now. Prior to July the 8th, 1985, prior to that service that night, didn't matter to me what it was rated. I wanted to see that movie. So when I got saved and they told me, you got to sign this paper, you're not going to go to movies. You're not going to do this, you're not going to do that. And I said to the guy that was talking to me, the youth pastor of that church, it was a large church, and I said, I can't sign that paper. He said, why? I said, because Silverado just came out and I'm not going to lie, I'm going to see it. And I never signed that paper. <laughs> I'm glad my salvation did not depend on whether or not I signed their legal document. I'm glad I didn't give my life away to the legal document that was set before me. This is what good Christians do. And I'm glad there was a passion in me. I want the real Jesus Christ. I want the real one to show up. The one that loves, the one that honors, the one that respects, the one that has faith, the one that believes what he can and uh, trusts even what he doesn't understand. That's what I want. And that began my path, my journey, my life to become a son. But the catalyst in that story, the genesis in that story for sonship for me was the fact that I made a decision. I'm not signing the document. I'm not going to lie to you and sign it and then go see it. I'm going to be truthful. I don't know that I can live up to your requirements. But I'm going to do everything I can to live up to His. And unless I know He's requiring it of me. I'm not interested in what you require. 
Now, if what you require equals and lines up with what he requires, we're on the same page. But if what you're requiring of me does not line up with what he's requiring of me, I'm out of your group. Need to hear me today. Let me just say it this way. There's people in this room right now. You've lined yourself up with people who are requiring things of you God has never required. You're trying to be something somebody told you you had to be to be a good Christian, and yet God never asked for that. You're trying to jump through hoops. God never created because He doesn't do the circus. But you're still trying to jump through those hoops because somehow you believe that if I can get through that hoop, somehow, I might feel closer to God. And all the while, all the Father's saying is, just talk to me. Just talk to me. I'm not interested in whether or not you come to me in perfection. I'm interested in whether or not you come to me with passion. He said, I'm not interested in whether you come to me and all things are right. I'm interested in whether you come to me and are willing to make things right as you hear my voice. If I try to make things right because it's on a piece of paper, I'll never get it right. And every time I get it wrong, I'll live in guilt. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Begin to judge myself if I try to line up with what man requires. But the thing I love about the Father is when the Father says, come to me, whosoever will, whosoever will, come to me. I'll change your life. I'll show you a new way. I'll give you vision. Birth strength in you. Give you hope. Let you believe for something that's beyond who you are today. Whosoever will come to me. And it'll all be different. It's about sons. So the Father has a plan for changing the earth today. And it's about sons. Let me say something. Please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I don't know that you can. It's pretty much equals its face value. And that is this. I wish every single church in the world today would fall apart. I wish every single church in the world today would be ripped apart at the seams and have to start again. Without any knowledge of the past. Without any knowledge of where they came from. And the only thing that they have is a seed of this knowing. There is a God, and I'm going to press into Him. Not knowing how to press into Him, but having to suddenly become creative and dig deep into the Spirit of God that is in them and begin to have to learn Him all over again. Is anybody hearing me this morning? So He has the same plan today that He's always had, and that is... Sons. I need sons. Everybody say this to me. Say, the Father, the Father needs, sons. needs sons. You know what he doesn't need? Good Christians. He doesn't need good believers. Remember last week I told you all I said, if, you know, if, you, I, if you're visiting, come at least for a few weeks because you know, you're, you, there might be an opportunity for offense and I want to make sure you can get through it. And I appreciate the, the gentleman I spoke to earlier today. He said, well, I came last week and you didn't offend me, so I came today. Try again. <laughs> Thank you, sir, for your courage. I'm doing the best I can. 
But what he doesn't need is good Christians. What he doesn't need is good believers. What he needs is people who believe in his purpose for them. Scripture says that the earth is crying out for the sons of God, the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Say that with me. The earth earth. is screaming Screaming. for sons and daughters of God to be revealed. (laughs) I'm going to say it again. The earth earth. is is screaming for sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Let's pretend like I'm the earth. Where are the sons and daughters? Are there any sons and daughters that can come and bring my earth back into purpose? Is there anyone willing to rise up and be different? Is there anyone willing to rise up and be a sign and a wonder? Is there anyone willing to rise up and change? The dynamics that are around you today. The earth is shouting. Sons, rule and reign over me. Stop trying to figure out a way to escape me. Stop hoping for a day where Jesus comes back and suddenly we're gone and we leave and we abandon the earth. He, God isn't intended. He doesn't, his hope is not to abandon the earth. It's to, for you to rule and reign over it. You need to hear what I'm telling you this morning. The earth screaming. Heal me, sons and daughters. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, I want to read two scriptures. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says this, says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Everybody say with me, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. And then in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, you don't have to repeat this, but for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God, how? Through faith. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. I've received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I didn't just receive Him as my Lord and Savior. I also received Him as my brother. I also received Him as my Redeemer. I also received Him as my Healer. I also received Him as my Deliverer. I also received Him as eyes so I could see and ears so I could hear and a heart so that I could receive whatever the Father wanted to release to me. Both of those declarations require something of those whose heart is to be counted as a son of God. Both of those declarations. And the requirement is this, it is vision. So today as I talk about or I finalize or I wrap up this series, The Rise of Sons, I'm picking up where we were last week, where some things I said last week, the difference between awareness and vision. And I want to speak to that this morning. So both those scriptures in Romans and Galatians declare, uh, require something of each of us whose heart is to be counted as children or sons and daughters of God. And the requirement that both of these possess is that they require vision. To be led, as in Romans 8, one needs vision. Everybody say vision. vision. To be led somewhere, I have to have vision. To have faith, as in Galatians chapter 3, I need vision. To have faith, I need vision. If I don't have vision, what do I have faith for? Without vision, why do I need faith? In fact, Scripture makes it very clear, without faith, we cannot honor God. We cannot please God. Why? Because there's no vision. 
If I don't have vision for what's beyond me today, if I can't see past where I am, this awareness spot, if I can't see what I'm aw- past what I'm aware of, I lack faith. And without that faith, without vision, I cannot please Him. Scripture also says that His children perish because they lack vision. No vision, no hope. I would dare say, whether in this room this morning or watching online, wherever you might be watching us online today, I want to thank you for being present with us as well. But I would dare say that under the sound of my voice today, wherever you might be, there are people in this room, you feel like you have absolutely lost hope. There is no hope. You don't know what's coming. You're, wrap, you're trying to wrap your mind around all the circumstances that currently exist. And there's a sense of, I have no hope. I want to tell you, there will never be hope where there is no vision. There will never be hope. Where there is no vision. And regarding hope, in Proverbs 13, 12, it declares this. And and there's people under the sound of my voice who will relate to this scripture very clearly. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. One who lacks hope is sick. But then it has something else it says. It says, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. But when hope gives way to fulfillment... It is a tree of life. Dreams fail. How many have ever dreamed of something great in this room? Hold your hand up. Dreams fail for lack of vision. There's a lot of people over time, many, many people over time, that have at one time or another, some of them you could name them, I could name some too, I wouldn't. But there are many places, many people, many businesses that have started and failed. They started with a great idea. Man, you know what? I want to do this. I think this is a great idea. This looks good. I think there's a market for this. I'm going to jump right in. I'm going to do this. And they jump in and they do that and then they fail. You know why? No vision. You can't just have a good idea and give birth to it. Well, you can give birth to it. You just can't nurture it. It'll never grow up. No, I got a great idea. I'm going to tell everybody, do this, do this, do this. Join me in this, join me in this, join me in this. But you have no vision for it in the future. What's it going to be in three years, five years? That's why when you start a business, if you're getting a loan from a bank, they're going to require a five-year business plan. Depending on the loan, they're going to require a 10-year business plan. Why are they going to do that? Because they want to know you see past where you are today. They see past your zero bank account, and you see some more in it. They see past the one or two family members that might support you, and they see all of those you will never meet that will suddenly begin to support you. But dreams fail for lack of vision. Legacies die. Because of lack of vision. Legacies. Opportunities for future generations. Die because no vision. I don't have a vision for this. You know, I appreciated what Marshall said this morning as he was speaking over my grandson. And as he's declaring over Dawson and he's reading those words. Powerful words, Marshall. Thank you for doing that. And he's speaking those words over Dawson. As he's speaking that, all of the words and every sentence that he spoke dealt with what's to come. This is who you will be. This is where you're headed. This is what we're going to provide for you. We're going to make a way for you. We're going to add strength where you don't have it today. You might be weak today. We're going to add strength to you. Today you can't walk, but we're going to help you walk. Today you can't talk, but we're going to teach you to talk. We have vision for you, Dawson. We have vision for what's to come, that legacy. And here's the cool thing about legacy. Where there's vision and you have legacy, Matt, you know what happens? Dawson one day will be standing on a platform somewhere 
either dedicating himself or watching or being a part of someone dedicating his children. And it will be the next generation of that legacy because there was vision. Because there's a mom and a dad and there's family members that have gathered around and said, there's more to it than what you see today. Vision. Vision. Here lies the challenge, as we said last week, seeing only the present is awareness. Everybody say this with me. Say, seeing only what is. is. That's awareness. It's not vision. If my whole world is wrapped around what's going on in my life right now, that's awareness. I'm aware of this. I'm aware of, uh, couldn't pay the electric bill. I'm aware I didn't get the promotion. I'm aware this didn't happen. I'm aware that the HOA made me get rid of my yard card. That's the story I heard this week from Gaston. The HOA attacked him because he had a rock, rock church sign in his front yard. But on the other hand of that, on the other end of that, I got to tell you, my wife and I pulled into Publix in, in Lake County last week. We pull into Publix, and right in front of the big Publix sign is a sign that says, we love the Rock Church. <laughs> so I just want you to know, Publix loves the Rock Church. Thank you, Chino, for reminding them how much they love the Rock Church. But seeing only the present, seeing what is, seeing what is around me, that is simply awareness and not vision. And being aware of where I am does not do anything about where I'm headed. All it does, we carry whatever we're aware of in this moment right now. I mean, you're going to be aware. You're going to see. It's cloudy outside. It's rainy outside. It's whatever. My bank account looks a little thin. Whatever. You can't help but be aware. What you can help is what you see coming. And the choices and decisions that you make to have a different outcome. Making tomorrow different than today. But if I get stuck in awareness, what I'm going to do is I'm going to carry my awareness of today into tomorrow. And then in the next day. And then into the next day. If my focus becomes on those things that are around me right now and I have no vision for what's to come, I get stuck and I continue to reproduce the very things that are holding me back. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about today? Shake it off, man. Get out there. My granddaughter, she gets out there and she loves to shake her booty, man. She sings songs. She does. You've seen it on Instagram. She'll sing a song and then she'll do her little thing. Shake it off. Vision. Awareness will take care of today, but it will do nothing for tomorrow. Vision, though, will set you on a course to fulfill dreams and purpose. There's an abundance of awareness in our lives today. But it is the lack of vision that has become the shortcoming of the sons and daughters of God. See, believers today, and I can tell you, I can tell you how prevalent it is, and I'm just going to share some really generalistic moments. Very broad, no unspecific, I'm just sharing it. But just to help you become aware of how Lack of vision is a shortcoming in the church today. How many times, maybe even today, maybe even this morning, I hope not, but maybe. Or maybe later today, wherever, maybe yesterday. But you went up to somebody and you said, who's a believer, quote unquote a Christian, a believer. They trust God, they believe in God, they love Him with their whole heart and mind. But you say to them, and how are you doing? Oh man, you just, how much time do you have? 
Really? I mean, how, how are you doing? Oh, you know, life is bad. I, but I, I trust Jesus. I just believe Jesus. I'm just, I, man, my world is falling apart, but I just believe Jesus. The whole time Jesus is going, you're not believing me. Because you're camping out in your misery. You're camping out in your lack of faith. You're camping out in your lack of vision. You've decided to settle in your lack of hope. Oh, but you don't know how bad it is. You don't know how difficult this is. I'm going to tell you, lack of vision is the shortcoming of believers today. It's the shortcoming of the church. It's the shortcoming of sons and daughters today, and it prevents us. It pre prevents too many from being sons and daughters of God. And they're always, even though they're in Christendom, they're a slave to it. I'm a believer. I'm part of the church. I'm, part, I'm one of God's children. Well, but what kind of child are you? Are you the kind of child that escaped and used up your inheritance? Are you the kind of child that comes back and says, you know what? Help me grow. I don't get it all, but help me grow. I realize that there's nothing going on. Things don't seem good around me, but I have faith in you and I see something bigger than where I am in front of me. Somebody might say, ah, you know, that's just a lot of hocus pocus and that's a lot of just this and that and the other. Well, I, I believe God. I said, I believe God. I believe Him. I believe He's able to do what I've not yet seen. I believe He's able to fulfill what I haven't even yet hoped for. But He'll only do it because there's some measure of hope. I have at least a minimum, a seed of hope for what's to come. Awareness requires no faith, requires no hope, requires no vision. It requires nothing that creates sonship in you and me. Whatever exists in the moment. And awareness is temporary, but vision requires faith. It requires hope, and it is the seedbed for sonship. All that is born from vision is eternal. Everything that is born from vision is eternal. What do you mean eternal? You mean it's going gonna, it's gonna to survive in the heavens? I'm talking about it's generational. If I have vision, and I'm sowing into this, and I'm sowing into this, and I'm raising this, that's why the responsibility of a parent raising a child, it isn't simply having a child and, and feeding it when it's hungry, changing it when it's wet, patting it on the back when it needs to burp, putting it in bed when it's tired. That's why raising children requires vision. What do I want them to be? Do I want them to be strong? Do I want them to be weak? This is going to be an investment. I realize that there's things that I'm going to walk away from in order to do this, but I'm going to have to focus on this child because I have vision. And my next generation is going to be greater than the generation I stand in today. Awareness is 2D, but vision is 3D. Awareness is similar. It's, it's like when you look at something that's simply 2D. You look at a photograph. You see that page. You don't know the depth. You can't tell depth. You don't know how far things are. But 3D, man, everything changes. Suddenly you can see distance. I mean, I've, I've seen some movies in 3D. Some of them are better than others. But I've seen some movies in 3D. And, man, when they throw something at the screen and you find yourself, you know it can't come through that screen. But somehow you don't know it can't come through that screen. And they throw something at you and you dodge and you duck and whoa! And everybody in the theaters, whoa! There's depth. Something deeper. When Kim and I, some years ago, we went to Alaska and when we were in Alaska, one of the things that was amazing about that, 
trip was uh, we did a glacier tour and we did a little helicopter ride over to, I don't know what glacier it was now, it's been a long time. But we went to this glacier and it landed on this glacier and, and just away from where we landed, there was this massive uh, formation mountain that was, I mean, just massive. And the pilot said, how far away do you think that is? Well, you know, we're looking at this thing, this mountain on that glacier, and we're standing out here, and I mean, this glacier is, I mean, it's just huge. I can't even, I, I couldn't even describe it. But it's just huge, and we look over there, and we're all guessing, you know, uh, half a mile, mile, whatever, you know, we're something short, you know, he said, no, nah, things like, whatever it was, it was like 20-something miles away, or further, maybe further. And we're like, no way. He said, yeah, that's 3D. 3D throws things and lets you see in their space. There's room for growth and room to mature and room to blossom and room to hope and room to dream. That's vision. When people ask this question, and I've been asked this so many times, a lot of times over the years, many times. But when people ask, if God is so good, why do bad things happen? And I don't know, there may be people in this room that have asked that before, but I want to try to answer this question and I want to try to bring a remedy to that. But they will ask, if God is so good, why did this happen? If God is so good, why did that happen? I want to tell you, first of all, this is not condemnation. This is not judgment. This is truth, what I'm sharing with you today. And also sharing with you an opportunity to engage that truth understand who, who the Father is and be changed by it. But when they ask this question, those people, as soon as it's asked, I realize they have awareness, but they don't have vision. If God is such a good God, why would God do this thing that seems so bad? As soon as that's asked, I realize immediately you are focusing on what you understand in this moment. But you have no idea what this moment will produce. Well, what kind of God would do something that again seems so bad to produce something so much greater? The kind of God that knows what kind of greater you and I need. The kind of God that is fully aware of what we need when my wife and I lost our son, our second child, Stephen Allen Parker. And when he died and I held him in my hands and we're in that hospital room and I held that little baby boy up in my hands and I held him before the father and I said, I don't understand this. It makes no sense to me why I don't have my child in my hand alive. I don't understand why he passed. But this is what I do know. I trust you. I believe in you, and I believe that whatever the purpose is for this, I, my hope and my confidence, God, are in you, and I will not be moved by this moment. I'm aware of sadness. I'm aware of, of the pain. I'm aware of all of that. But I'm also very much a man of vision, and I know, God, you are bigger than this moment. You are bigger than these few seconds. You are bigger than this challenge I'm going through today. And when they asked us, what do you want on the gravestone? And my wife said, I want you to put on that gravestone until we dance on the ashes together. 
And we put on that gravestone until we dance on the ashes together. And when we see that gravestone in the ground, and I still see until we dance on the ashes together, and I look at that and I recognize this was my son. He's not with me here, but he is with the Father. And I want to tell you today, I could have gotten caught up in awareness and lost all hope, lost all vision. But instead, it's not about, God, why did you take my son? It's more about, Father, what purpose can be born out of this? I believe you. And I cannot tell you all the ways that the Father has brought strength to Kim and to me. All the ways He's added life to us as all the different times that we've reflected back on our son. My children, my kids, my kids that I have right now with the exception of my daughter that doesn't do tattoos. But my other kids have a tattoo of his name and birth date on their arms, on their bodies. I'm going to tell you He's changed us. I never got to hear him utter one time, Daddy. We never got to hear him utter one time, Mama. But what I do know is we're changed because of it. Now, if I got caught up in awareness and I had no vision, I would say, God, you're an evil God. You took this boy. But with vision, I could see, Father, out of this moment, you can produce great things. My daughter, Kaylee, sent me an email after last week's service and she put in there a, a note that I thought was so profound and I'm going to wrap up with this this morning. I'm, going to get, I'm, I'm close to wrapping up this morning. <laughs> I'm closer than I was. But she sent me this thing and the gist of it is she said awareness will mock but those with vision will empower. Awareness mocks, but vision empowers. This works two ways. When I read that, it just jumped out in me and just stirred in me because it goes two ways. It, it's, it's, a, it's a statement that can apply to others, and it's also a statement that can apply to self in this way. It applies to others because... If I'm not where you are, maybe not as mature as you, maybe I haven't been walking with God as long as you, maybe I'm not as good at building a box as you or a home, or maybe I can't do the things that you can do, maybe I don't sing as well as you, maybe I don't teach as well as you, maybe I'm not as patient. Fill in the blank. Maybe I'm not. Fill in the blank. Is you. It affects others because if those to whom look at, that might look at me and say, oh, he really can't sing like I can. He really can't do that. He shouldn't be. He should, and begin to judge me for all those things, their awareness becomes a mockery. That then begins to tear down, not build up. The same token. Someone that has vision will look at someone like me that says, I can't sing like you, I can't build like you, I can't do this like you, I can't do that like you, you fill in the blank. Someone that has vision will say, that's all right, let's talk about what you can do. Let me help you in your weaknesses so they become stronger. Let me reflect, let me remind you over and over of what you can do. People with vision give power. Power. 
They empower other people. So if in our lives we find that we're ones, that we're always aware of our circumstances, we're always aware of our surrounding, but we never have vision for where the Father wants to take us. We never have vision for what we're currently aware of, the seed that it might be producing. Are you hearing me? Your circumstances right now might be seed for learning something valuable. Thank you, Shalon. Shalon liked that. Shalon, you and I will talk about it. That's towards others, but towards self-awareness, we'll mock ourselves. If we're just aware of our circumstances, I failed again. Man, every time I do something, I I just come up short. I'm such a blunderer. Who would ever trust me to do anything? I'm awful. I can't do anything good. I can't do anything right. Say it again. I don't know who said it, but you're right. I can't do anything right. All of this. You just mock yourself. Awareness mocks us. Reminds us of where we come up short. But vision and power. Suddenly, if I look at what's, what I'm going through right now. I look, Matt. I look, Gary, right? Oh, man, I did good. And I look, and I say, here's where I'm at. But I have no intention of staying here because he has no intention of keeping me here. Because I'm a son. And daddies don't leave their kids in these situations. And Abba Father surely doesn't leave people in these situations. My God isn't interested in me existing in awareness. He's interested in me being a man of vision. So I'm going to turn what I'm aware of and a seed that produces vision for what's to come. There's people in this room. It's exactly what you need today. I'm aware of a lot of stuff. I'm, a lot, I'm aware of a lot of moments. Whatever they are, you fill in your own blanks. I don't know what your moments are, but you're aware of them. Let God turn what you're aware of. Trust Him that it will be seed for, here, for where he wants you to be. Be a man of vision. Be a woman of vision. Sons have vision because sons do not believe even for a second that daddy will abandon me. But what happens if someone's in this room right now and you say, but my father did abandon me. My natural father did abandon me. What happens if you're in this room and you feel like That natural person wasn't there. So your experience with trusting that person doesn't exist. You have no reference point to trust, to believe. That's where faith comes in. Father, I believe you're different. Father God, I believe you're different. Then everything that might be in the natural, I'm going to believe that you're different. And my vision today of my relationship with you is not going to be anything like the awareness I had in the one who abandoned me in this earth. Do you hear me today? If you're going to be aware of anything today, be aware of whether or not you lack vision and turn your awareness into vision by believing that God created you to see beyond where you are and do more than you ever thought possible.